to me. Good morning and welcome to episode 522 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindberg of Grantland.com. Hi, Ben. Hi. Sound we enthusiastic are, today. Uh, just, uh, okay, well, I'm enthusiastic because of our great sponsor, uh-huh. the Play Index at Baseball Reference. I, I love the Play Index at Baseball Reference. and Makes it easy uh, to come to work every day. Just excited to get to mention that we are associated with them again. Uh, I used the Play Index today to help a reporter, to help a writer out cool. who mm-hmm. wanted to know something, and it was very satisfying. Huh. So uh, did, you, did you not tell him coupon code BP? Did you tell him to help himself in the future? <laughs> I will. I will next. <laughs> okay. Um, did you, first off, do you know who Paul Oss? Uh, I was I was just reading about this as as you started talking. Uh, I have not I have not read him. Uh, he I think he might be an effectively wild emailer. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, because he wrote a letter yes. to the sports editor of mm-hmm. the New York Times, and it's basically an effectively wild email. <laughs> should uh, we answer I, it? I figured we should answer it just uh, just because I don't know. It's mm-hmm. what we do. Okay. Uh, so he writes uh, to the sports editor in regard uh, regarding in push to shorten game. There's no time to waste. I would like to offer a suggestion about speeding up baseball. Eliminate the two strike foul ball as a neutral play and rule it a strike to compensate for the advantage. This would give the pitcher allow the batter to go to first base after three balls instead of four. This way, no at bat could last more than five pitches. Pitch counts would go down, allowing starting pitchers to go deeper into games, which in turn would reduce the dead time caused by changing pitchers, the primary reason games last so long these days. Traditionalists will argue that this will alter baseball as we know it. But if games continue to drag on for three hours or longer, baseball as we know it will lose its audience. Um, And it's true that nobody watches baseball anymore. (laughs) Right. He nails it on the last point. Baseball is... (laughs) Never been viewed by fewer people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so first, I, I, I don't think I don't know. That it, I don't, it doesn't feel like it would alter baseball. As well. I mean, it would alter baseball. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you if you removed Wade LeBlanc, it would also alter baseball as we know it in a very small way. The question is whether it would alter baseball as we know it in a in a very dramatic way. And I think this would clearly still be baseball. Um, <laughs> what was the the question that we answered that one time? Uh, baseball would it, would it would it be different or would yeah. it be very different yeah yeah if baseball were different would it be different or very different um yeah. and this to me feels like it would be uh it wouldn't make baseball unrecognizable which is always the line that that you don't want to cross mm-hmm. uh it feels like a reasonable enough solution let me ask you this question uh let's say pitch counts did go down allowing starting pitchers to go deeper into games do you think starting pitchers would then go deeper into games? Or do you think that we would simply see starting pitchers throw only 80 pitches a game uh, or 60 pitches a game uh, instead of you know continuing to throw their typical 110? And the reason I ask is because there are so many... I mean, we know that relievers are very good, and there are more pitchers than the league knows what to do with, it seems like, at this point, once you... Once you get to relievers, I, I wonder whether pitchers would still go six innings, mm-hmm. do it in 75 pitches, and then still turn it over to the dominant seven, eight, nine inning guys, because that's actually a solution that seems to work. I would think so, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you'd see more complete games. There'd be 
yeah. there'd be a, more games where the guy just you know is pitching really well and managers tend to leave in a guy who's pitching really really well and you wouldn't have to take him out because of that arbitrary limit or, or not arbitrary limit artificial limit so you'd you'd see more of that but on the whole yeah I, I can't imagine managers would give up their sixth seventh eighth ninth inning guy system at this point and probably probably shouldn't mm-hmm. yeah uh this i a, i so it's a pretty drastic solution though i think there are there are uh more subtle ways that we could try to address this problem before we completely change the the, the ball strike system well that, that's not the primary outcome that he's looking for he's saying has a secondary benefit mm-hmm. i mean he doesn't want to have he doesn't want to have long at bats. I guess he wants to. I mean, it would cut a lot of pitches out of the game, and it would, by sort of definition, cut the non-action pitches out of the game. Right? Foul balls are boring. Foul balls are. Uh, I would say that the two-strike foul ball is more boring than any other category of pitch besides the the three-zero auto strike, uh, the uh, second and third and probably fourth intentional balls in an at-bat. The first one's still more interesting than a foul ball. Um, and maybe, no, it's actually more boring than the obvious O2 waste pitch. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, it is. they are boring. It would get rid of the most boring, one of the most boring parts of the batter-pitcher matchup. Yeah, that's true. And it would cut a lot of pitches out. And if you, if you accompanied it with the three-ball walk, that would obviously cut a lot of pitches out. I mean, it would. I bet you it would, uh, well, other than perhaps unintended consequences, which maybe we'll talk about, uh, I would bet that it could, could knock, I don't know, 12 to 18 minutes off of an average game. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe more. Yeah, I, I would miss the, the long at bet. I love the, the long grind it out kind of at bat i did that whole series a couple of years ago where i looked at the longest at bat of the week i know i like pitch. those too yeah those but are you, fun you but... like the well once it gets to nine it becomes interesting but most of them only go right you know six or seven or eight and those are not interesting mm-hmm. those are boring yes right. so so now here's the problem though the the most drastic change would be that everybody would strike out and everybody would walk right mm-hmm. it would make the Nobody considers, besides me, nobody considers those to be the most desired outcomes from a spectator's perspective. Mm-hmm. And all you're doing is making those closer. You're bringing those closer. And if we've already, first of all, if we've already established that batters want to walk and that that's part of what they're trying to do, and if we've already established that pitchers want to get a strikeout and that's like their primary goal, uh, making it more uh, possible for them to get those will just increase the the you know their likelihood of reaching those targets and then mm-hmm. furthermore if you assume that hitters actually aren't very good at making contact and they strike out because they're they're just bad at it and if you assume that pitchers walk batters because they're just not very good at it removing the margin of error for them uh would also you know just make it a lot more likely so you would have i would guess that in this scenario the three true outcomes rate uh, would go somewhere north of fifty percent for the league, which is currently, which is like you know the, among the highest in history for an individual player. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would imagine that would be the league wide rate, and nobody seems to like that style of baseball. People want to see Angelton Simmons. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so last, lastly, who does this benefit? If you did this, who would it benefit? More. Pitch, pitchers or hitters, you mean? Uh, yes. I can give you a, I, I just looked up Tyler Skaggs because he seems interesting to me. For mm-hmm. I mean, not interesting. He seems interesting for being not that interesting. He seems like an average pitcher. Mm-hmm. And uh, roughly a quarter of his two-strike pitches are fouled off. Hmm. That helps you. So there's no actual ability to... People say that that guys have more have a higher foul rate on two strikes than they do on on zero strikes or one strike. Like they cut down on their swing or something, and just you know waste a bunch of pitches by slapping them away or something. And that isn't actually the case. I don't think the the foul per swing rate is any higher on two strikes than it is on zero strikes or one strike. I don't know if that answers anything, but it's not like. Not like hitters can necessarily prolong an at bat this way, uh, re- reliably, but I, I don't know. So, what does the Skaggs example tell you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a very helpful thing no. to have found. No. Uh, I don't know what Skaggs tells me. Um, well, so I don't know. Imagine that every. Imagine that every at bat went to two two. Then now, who's in a better, who's who has gained more by this rule change in a two two count? If we just limit it to two two counts, mm. probably the batter, I guess. But that's not actually it's not conclusive. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Ben. I don't know. Well, maybe I guess I feel like we the, can't say immediately is a good thing. At least doesn't seem like it would totally unbalance. The, the system. Yeah, I don't. I, that that does. I don't consider. I don't. I don't conclude that at all. <laughs> okay. The fact that off the top of our heads, <laughs> we don't know, does not tell me that there would not be an, an imbalance. I think there probably would be an imbalance, but who cares? Why do we need balance? <sighs> all right. So, Ben. Yes. Do you have anything to talk about? Uh. Well, I didn't congratulate you on Sergio Santos returning to the major leagues. I mm-hmm. I offered my condolences when he was demoted, and then he went down to AAA Buffalo in Toronto's system, and he pitched 10 and two-thirds scoreless innings, struck out 16, although he did walk six, and he is back in the majors. So I imagine that made you happy. It did, although you also didn't congratulate me on Nate Fryman coming up, and that actually has made me a lot more happy. I'm um, I forgot. I had forgotten that he was one of your guys. Yeah. So Fryman's back, and uh, he has uh, against lefties, which I only like him for what he does against lefties. I don't. I don't care to see him play against right-handers. Uh, but against lefties, he has one of the one of my favorite lines of the year. He is hitting two fifty, two eighty nine, six sixty seven, <laughs> which is a you know essentially Javier Baez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but without the strikeouts. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Nate Fryman and Sergio Santos, two of my guys. Time to update that, I would say. Probably, probably yeah. <laughs> um, and then the only other thing was uh, we've we, we've talked about Jose Bautista's umpire complaining on this show, yeah. right? I think. Yeah. And so there yeah. was a development in that area where uh, he was he was ejected in the sixth inning of a game for arguing balls and strikes, and then um, and then uh, there was. There was a comment by John Gibbons after the game 
who said the bottom line is we needed him in this game. Say your piece and get the hell out of there. We're trying to get in the playoffs. We need you on the field. He's a marked man in this game. Plate umpire Bill Welke. I thought he had a pretty good strike zone today. It was steady. He was calling strikes. He was looking to call strikes. But we need you in the game. So that's that's interesting. Interesting that he thinks that he's a marked man, which is something that Batista has claimed in the past. And also interesting that his own team is taking issue with his umpire complaining now. Also interesting that he considers himself to be in a playoff race. <laughs> um, yeah, they're technically they're in there. <laughs> they're 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 close-ish. Eh. So if I, I guess you'd have to know the relationship, but if you were Jose Bautista and you knew that he was that you know your manager was basically subtweeting you, would you uh, you know take that as eh, uh, a sign that you need to grow up, or would you just be super pissed off? Because that does seem maybe they've had this conversation already, right. but it really doesn't feel like anything that Gibbons needs to say. Probably not. Yeah, I mean if. Right, if, it all depends on the backstory, I guess. There's probably never a time when you would want the first time that you're raising an issue about a player to come via a, a post-game comment to a reporter. But if you've, I mean, I don't know, if you've if you've talked to the guy about it many times before, then I don't know whether talking to a reporter is really going to help either. So maybe it's maybe it's sort of a no-win scenario. I don't know. Maybe there could be a case where where you're. Uh, where you get through to a guy by drawing attention to it that way, but it seems like probably that would be rarer than the cases where you're just just souring the relationship. Let me ask you something, Ben. Okay. If I told you that I had gone out to you know find out what people think about Mike Trout, and I'd come back, and the only quote I got was, it's the future of the game with him. He can do stuff on the baseball field. Not too many people can. And if they can, they can only do one aspect of it. And he can do all of it. Would you say, go ahead, put it in an article, publish it? <laughs> well, I, I don't know that I would have greenlit that article in the first place. Okay, so uh, now if I told you that Mike or John Carlos Stanton said it, would uh-huh. it change your calculus of the newsworthiness of that quote at all? Mm, no. I, I, I think me too. Why? I'm just I'm reading an article about how Mike Stanton or John Carlos Stanton praised Mike Trout, and mm. that's the quote. And I'm <laughs> no. wondering why I clicked on this. Would have been interesting if if he had called himself the future of baseball. Uh huh. Yeah. Said that he's a far more compelling player than Mike Trout. All right, Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, many times this offseason we talked about Jacoby Ellsbury, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, about the significance of his free agency and how significant he would be to the team that signed him. And then when a team signed him, we talked about how significant he would be to that team. Um, and he's, you know, he's not doing that well. He's doing fine. He's adequate. But he hasn't been a, a hugely significant signing, despite all the words that we said about him. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about how um, uh, many of the signings that end up mattering the most get no mention at all. And in fact, don't even get noticed at all. Uh, and there are various players who have been probably more significant than, than Jacoby Ellsbury this year, uh, both in an absolute sense and in the context of a pennant race, uh, who uh, probably didn't even get mentioned in the newspaper the following day. Um, and so I told you to go find uh, your three uh, most lopsided 
um, impact to attention transactions of the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be your most, but three that you particularly like. Mm-hmm. And I brought three that I particularly like. And I wanted to hear what you think are the most lopsided attention to impact transactions of the year. So, okay. uh, so the, the perfect scenario would be a guy uh, is signed as a minor league free agent and wins the MVP award. That would be the perfect. That would be the top right corner of the graph. Uh, and and it could be Robin. You know, if Robinson Cano were like a 17 win player, it could be him, even though he got a lot of attention. Um, but ideally, lot of lot of impact, not much attention. Mm-hmm. And but, when you say last year, I was I was looking 2014 only. Yes. That, uh, okay. This mm-hmm. this season, uh, any transactions that have been uh, well off season or during season. Right. Okay. So, uh, do you want to do like a draft or? I, I don't think I want to do a draft, but we could alternate. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. Um, who goes first? Uh, so I'll go first. Okay. Uh, and I'm sure that you probably picked this, but uh, Steve Pierce, man. Mm, that's a did good one. Pick, did you not pick Steve Pierce? No. Uh-uh. So Steve Pierce is, um, well, okay. So Steve Pierce is 31 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's essentially a quad A kind of. DH sort of first baseman kind of guy who um, in my mind is most notable for being um, on the Orioles and not on the Orioles in mm-hmm. at least part of every season. <laughs> right. I think like, that's why that's why I didn't pick him because I saw Steve Pierce Orioles and he was on the Orioles last year and I just kind of didn't count it. Yeah. So since in the last three years, three calendar years, this is his transaction log. Signed as free agent by the Twins, released by Twins. Uh, signed as free agent with the Yankees, purchased by the Orioles from the Yankees, selected off waivers by the Astros from the Orioles, purchased by the Yankees from the Astros, selected off waivers by the Orioles, released by the Orioles, and then signed as free agent by the Orioles. And those last two uh, took place within two days of each other. So they released him in April. And then uh, two days later, they re-signed him. And in fact, you're not even allowed to do that. But there was a loophole because of something having to do with Chris Davis's um, status on the active roster or something. They were able to get away from the rule that says you can't re-sign a player you released within X number of days. And I just feel like um, there's there's like a great kind of like mid-90s Quentin Tarantino knockoff movie about what Steven Pierce did in those two days. Like not, not that he took some magic elixir, but you just know he got up to all kinds of no, no good. Mm -hmm. And you know, he might've accidentally witnessed a murder. Uh, You know, he might've, you know, he could have done all sorts of things uh, and it would have been in a disjointed nonlinear narrative style. Uh, And I bet it was really fun. Like I bet those were maybe the two best days of his life. And, at the end of those two days, he found love, and he also got re-signed by the Orioles. And since <laughs> since the Orioles re-signed him, he is like he should be their MVP candidate. Except he only has played 80 games. In those 80 games, 287, 349, 522. Um, he's got he's basically having like remember the year that John Jaso had with the Mariners two years ago. Mm-hmm. He's having that year, mm-hmm. um, and he's been their best player. He's a in in 80 games, this is incredible, in 80 games, half a season, Steve Pierce, by baseball reference, has been worth 4.4 war. <laughs> so he would be uh, prorated over the course of the year. He would be better than Mike Trout, he would be better than Alex Gordon, and probably, I haven't done the math, but probably Josh Donaldson. He, 
he would probably be the, the best player in baseball on a per-game basis. He even has Steve Pierce, Ben. <laughs> Steve Pierce is a plus-17 defender this year. <laughs> so, uh, so, so that, Steve Pierce... <laughs> So that means that we can't give him MVP votes, which is why you you, you supported the Nick Markakis MVP candidacy over Steve true. Pierce. Yeah, no, it's it's true. I, uh, I it, it is it is a shame Markakis homered tonight. By the way, uh-huh. he, he was in like a like an O for sixteen or something, and I was feeling pretty good. So these are the MLB trade rumors comments for this move. I went and looked at all the the comments for all the moves. I, I isolated, uh, identified, uh, just to see if there was anything interesting in them. And, uh, so this is the tone of them. There are, first of all, there are only eight comments, which if you know MLB trade rumors, they can very easily get 2,000 <laughs> on, a, on a thread. Uh, but nothing but a middle school relationship uh, was one. Then, <laughs> wait, what? And then, ha-ha. <laughs> and then, um, and it's gone. I'm sorry, it's all gone. Oh, just break up already, you two. Enough of this soap opera and... Will this ever end? And that was it. That was the that was the all the comments. Hmm. Okay, that's a good one. Um, I'll see if I can look up MLB trade rumors comments for my moves as I go. So uh, so I'll go with with JD Martinez uh-huh. as my first guy, and we've we've talked about him before. Just uh, a guy who. Was released. I think. I think probably my my top three picks are all guys who were, were released. By released. The <laughs> no, but were released and or at least were signed in the last week of March, just right uh-huh. right before opening day. So so we've talked about Martinez released by the Astros, signed by the Tigers on March twenty fourth, remade himself over over the off season mechanically. He's the the ultimate. Change in mechanics leads to change in performance guy, although he is kind of tanked in August, but he's allowed to have a, a bad month. Um, and so he was he's appealing because he was I like the the cases where players don't just say that they are tinkering or they're they've changed something with their swing. I like the ones where they deliberately imitate another player, a more successful player. Like when Charlie Morton remade himself in Roy Halladay's image, yeah, those are I, I like great. that because yeah. it's just the idea that that if you if you just take the other guy's mechanics, then then you will succeed. It, it it's kind of a it seems intuitive, if, but it doesn't really work that way because you can't completely mimic everything the guy does anyway. So he did sort of the same thing, and he's looking at video of Miguel Cabrera and trying to do things that Miguel Cabrera does. And then he started hitting like Miguel Cabrera for for much of the season. So, so that was. Oh, did he? Did he? Did he steal Miguel Cabrera's mechanics before he joined the Tigers? Yeah, it was an offseason. Oh, so thing. this was like a this was like a, a Munanori Kawasaki uh, Ichiro thing. Wait, was that who it was? Did Do you he remember that? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, he was like obsessed with Ichiro. Like he Ichiro was his 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 idol, and he just. He like I think he just wanted to come to the states so that he could play with Ichiro, uh-huh. and so I think that I think I'm remembering this correctly. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a good one. Interesting story. Not a lot of fanfare. Obviously, has had major playoff implications. So, so that's a good one. And MLB trade rumors comments for that move. Actually, uh, uh, 
some people some people praise this move. There was uh, there was one person who said quantity over quality seems to be the Tigers' mo right now. But there were people who said good sign still has breakout potential. Wish him all the best. Still think he has major league potential. Saw he was let go Saturday and hoped we'd give him a shot. Cheap, lots of talent, just maybe not quite ripe yet. So uh, only 11 comments, only three more than the Steve Pierce move. But but a few of those commenters were optimistic. Yeah, I did identify. I also was thinking about talking about J.D. Martinez. And one thing I noticed about his MLB trade rumors post is that that was the first time in J.D. Martinez's career that they ever put a J.D. Martinez tag on a, oh, really? on a post. Yeah, uh-huh. they, had, they had mentioned him uh, in an earlier post, uh, but they didn't tag it. And the, the, the URL um, of that post was like, minor moves Martinez waved. <laughs> uh-huh. And that happened like a week earlier. So that gives you a pretty good sense of what J.D. Martinez was to baseball at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. I will next take uh, Colin McHugh. Okay. Uh, who is an Astro. Yes. Uh, and so here's what I knew about Colin McHugh before this year. Uh, he started the worst game of the year last year. Uh, or, sorry, I started the worst game of 2012, my annual feature finding the worst game played mm-hmm. the previous year. He started that game, and I don't think he made it out of the first. Um so that's one thing about him. Um, and his career major league record coming into this year in 15 games, nine of them starts, was 0-8 with an 8.94 ERA. And I first was notified of Colin McHugh's um, existence in the majors this year when I was doing my um, brand new pitching lines feature mm-hmm. of every week. Mm-hmm. And he had the best new line of of a given week. He went six and two thirds, three hits, no runs, no walks, and 12 strikeouts. And it was the same week that Jose Fernandez struck out 14 in a three hitter. Um, and I chose McHugh as the better line. He had a higher strikeout rate, um, which at the time was the second highest strikeout percentage for any starter that year. Um, and it was by Colin McHugh. And here's what I wrote about him at the time. A waiver wire pickup who couldn't crack the Astros rotation to start the year. In his four AAA appearances, he struck out a total of eight batters. A total <laughs> in four. So he, he, he starts the year in AAA, four games, eight strikeouts in those four. And then he, he's been incredible ever since. Um, mm-hmm. So he's been, he's like 27 or something like that. And he's been, you know, remember last year when we talked about whether it was a successful year for the Astros, given what we... Mm-hmm. you know what what we knew their sort of long-term goals to be and and I think that at the time I, I sort of felt dispirited by it and thought that it hadn't been and then this year in a way has actually been um, publicly a much harder year for them I, I feel like they've had to defend themselves or or maybe they haven't had to defend themselves so much as uh, people have taken to writing think pieces about um, uh, what it's like to be an astro um, but they've actually had a number of like legitimate major leaguers emerge in a way that that didn't actually happen last year, really. Mm-hmm. And McHugh is certainly one of them. Um, and uh, yeah, he was, I think he was waived by the Rockies um, in December. And that's all. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me see. Um, oh, yeah, the other interesting thing about McHugh is that 
Uh, he was 0-8 with an 8.94 ERA in his career, but his first start was almost as good as the one that I had written about. He had one amazing start, and then never again. So he was actually even much worse after that, mm-hmm. before he got good. Anyway, somebody should write about why he's good now. That's what we should be doing instead of <laughs> talking about this. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, any any MLB trade rumors comments for that move? Did that even no. have a post? Uh, it did have a post, and uh, they weren't very they weren't very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody said that he would always have a problem with hits per nine because of his batting practice type stuff, and I thought that that seemed like a really unnecessary thing to say. Like that that he will always have a problem with hits per nine is just not specific enough to, to count as analysis. That's just like saying he's really bad. Like, like you could say, oh, well, he's always going to fight control problems, or oh, he has trouble missing bats, but he is always going to give up way too many hits on a rate basis. Is just a complicated way of saying he's bad. And so that's the only comment that I noted. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right. I guess I will go with Chris Young next. Paul Chris Young. Uh huh. Yeah. So um, Chris Young, another very late spring sign. He was signed. Let's see, March twenty seventh. That's about as it's about as late as you can pick up a player. He was released by the Nationals, with whom he pitched pretty well in spring training on March twenty fifth, and uh, he is he is pitched very well, or at least depending on. On how much credit you want to apportion to to fielders or to him for for allowing weak contact or preventing hits, which is something that he has some history of doing, um, he is he's been good and uh, and I did not think much of of Chris Young or the Chris Young signing. He didn't pitch last year. He missed the year. He was not in the annual this year, and he has pitched like someone who who deserved to have a comment in the annual. Annual. Uh, he is, if you if you go by, you know, uh, FIP or a FIP based WAR, Fangraphs WAR, he has not been particularly valuable. He has a 232 BABIP, but he also has a 251 career BABIP, which is interesting. We we hmm. got a we got a question about that he's, today. Yeah, he was a. I mean, he he's the most extreme flyball pitcher in the game, and he spent a lot of his career in Petco. So right, it always and, made some sense. And now Seattle and and City Field and so he has he has pitched uh, in exactly the places that Chris Young should pitch ever since he he left Texas. So so Chris Young, I, I don't have a whole lot else to say about Chris Young right now. But uh, MLB trade rumors comments like the move, no risk <laughs> signing. Yeah, that's I found that actually was a pretty consistent theme. <laughs> yeah. MLB trade rumors commenters like moves. Yeah. They're, they are the most positive commenters on the internet. They just like moves. They're into the transaction itself. That's why they're there. That's why yeah, they're on exactly. the site. It's like, it's mostly like, heck yeah, there's news. Like, <laughs> they're, they're, they're like, I don't know, they're like people who just want to see the NASDAQ, you know, the, the stock market yeah. go up. They just like right. to cheer on the economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all right, uh, my last one is, um, is Justin Turner. Hmm. Who uh, who was signed to a minor league contract uh, with the Dodgers, and of course the Dodgers have signed so many uh, big deals and made so many big trades, and then here comes Justin Turner, minor hmm. league contract backup. Didn't we talk about that at the time? Like how did how did Justin Turner get a minor league contract and not a major league deal? Didn't we? 
I think uh, I thought we. I don't know. I remember being surprised about that. I thought we discussed it, but maybe not. Yeah, well, he, I mean, he was a league average. Basically, he's a, he's a league average hitter who could play right. a bunch of positions. You'd think yeah. that guy would have. I mean, that sounds like Sean Rodriguez to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it's not, I don't know why. Like Sean Rodriguez is on the cover of Sports <laughs> Illustrated or something. Why did I just say that? <laughs> uh, but his defense has generally been considered poor. His um, his wars on Baseball Reference throughout his career uh, as a regular were point one, point two, and point seven. Um, so, you know, there wasn't any reason to think he was going to break out at age 29, but he has. He's hitting 313, 385, 441, um, which is, uh, you know, well above average, uh, mm-hmm. particularly when you consider that um, systems rate him as a pretty good defender who's played all four infield positions. He is second on the Dodgers in war this year, at least among position players, mm-hmm. um, and uh, kind of has been, I don't know, he's probably been lost in the shuffle a little bit. MLB Trade Rumors comment, had the privilege of taking a picture with Justin Turner while he was on the Mets. Cool guy. (laughs) That's a good one. Um, Okay. My last one is is similar to the the Chris Young one. Um, Aaron Harang. Hmm. So we've we've discussed Aaron Harang, I guess. I wrote about Aaron Harang early in the year and how he wasn't going to probably keep doing what he was doing, but he kind of has, more or less, sort of. Um, he's been a he's been a league average pitcher and is on track to to do that with 200 innings or so. And he was a guy who the Braves just kind of brought in because they needed someone. They needed someone who could pitch, who has pitched before, who is. A professional pitcher and he fit that description they had seen him and and sort of sort of liked him their scouts had liked him as much as you can get excited about Aaron Harang and uh and he was on the whole quite quite bad last year and no one expected a whole lot no one expected him to last the whole season in the rotation I don't think but he has he has and he's been pretty pretty decent and the top comment on MLB Trade Rumors is, well, ellipsis, I just don't get this. Yeah. Uh, two honorable mentions. Uh, Pat Neshek, minor league deal. Mm, and that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Ratio. Um, and uh, Mark Reynolds, also minor league deal. We talked about that as even if he's just replacement level, it's a big upgrade over what they had, and he's actually been... Uh, much better than replacement level, or somewhat better than replacement level. So that's another one. Mm. Oh, I liked I liked that one too because the comment was "Won't matter." Hunter Morris will get the job. <laughs> Releasing Freddie Garcia and signing Harang is like taking off a dirty pair of underwear to put on another dirty pair of underwear. That's harsh. Hmm. Um, and I, I had a couple honorable mentions. Also, uh, Jan Jervis Solarte. I think should should get an honorable mention here, not not only for his work with the Yankees when of course he was great for a couple months and then terrible for a month, and then demoted and then traded to the Padres and he's actually been pretty decent again for the Padres. So uh, he has he's been he's been good. He's an above average hitter and no one no one really knew who he was. Um, I Casey McGee maybe. We've talked about Casey McGee. Obviously, no one expected anything out of him. And he hasn't been all all that good, really. And he's also, I think, leading the league in 
grounding into double plays, which is uh, probably making his his batting line look better than it is. But Casey McGee. And I had a... Well, I did want to salute the Indians for the, the Michael Brantley extension. Not that that's really had a, an impact in the sense that he wasn't going to a new team or anything. He would have been playing for them anyway. But in terms of just just smartest or best-timed transactions of the year, that is probably pretty high on the list to extend him right before what appears to be a breakout. And the closest I came to actual moves that got some interest and, and attention and people talked about them, and yet they still exceeded expectations enough that, or at least um, have turned out to be positives enough that maybe people didn't talk about them enough, was uh, Nelson Cruz and Tim Hudson. Uh, yeah, I, um, I didn't go that route. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were far down my list. Uh-huh. Okay. Good show. All right, so that's it for today. We need some listener emails for tomorrow, so please send us some at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. And please support our sponsor, Baseball Reference. We already gave some love at the top of the show, but we will give some more love now. Please support them and go to baseballreference.com. Subscribe to the Play Index using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. We'll be back tomorrow.